Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to New Idea Investigates. Thank you for joining us. My name is Marianne Harris and I'm delighted to have your company. In this episode, we open the files of a 45-year-old cold case, the intriguing mystery of two little girls abducted from the Adelaide Oval in 1973. Joanne Ratcliffe was 11 years old, her friend Kirsty Gordon only four. They've never been found. Their case is one of South Australia's most baffling mysteries and one which altered the way people raise their children. Here to share her story with us is Joanne's sister Suzanne, who is living proof this case is anything but forgotten. We do warn listeners, some material may be distressing. Welcome, Susie. It is a story that you have lived your whole life writing, you know, a story every parent and every family fears. Does it get any easier to talk about? Uh, Some days it does, and then other days it doesn't, because it just brings into focus all that we've missed out on over the years. Uh, Watching Joe grow, uh, get an education, her first boyfriend, uh, her first kiss, getting married, having children of their own. Um, you know, we, we hear so often of other other families, their their daughter experiencing all this and it just it hits home that we've missed out on all that and so much more with Joanne over the years. Yeah, you've certainly been robbed, haven't you? It's certainly um it's been difficult watching, you know, especially my mum uh, suffer all these years losing by only Joanne in, in 1973, but then of course, seven and a half years later, my my dad passed away, and so she's she lost not only her daughter but her soulmate. Yeah, you were born in 1974, Susie, a year after your sister Joanne was abducted. Yet you felt every bit of the impact. Would you say? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, I, I never got to have the honour to to meet Joanne in in person. But I grew up knowing all there was to know about her. Um, my mum, dad, uh, before he passed away, and my brother have always been there to answer any questions that I had over the years, even though you could see in their face how much it hurt. to have to relive um, some of the things that they've been through and, and, and talk about Jo, knowing that she may never walk back through that door. Um, I grew up in her bedroom, surrounded by a lot of her, her things. I used to look out my bedroom window at the tree that my dad had planted not long after Joanne was born in her, you know, and in celebration of her birth. Uh, so being surrounded by all of that and, and hearing about Joanne so often uh, made me have that connection with her that um, sadly I didn't get the personal connection with when she was alive. No. 
How did your mum and dad always describe her and how did your brother describe her as? What sort of little girl was she so we can get a picture of her in our minds as well? Oh, she was stubborn, she was pig-headed, she was fiery. <laughs> she had a temper on her like you wouldn't believe if something wasn't going her way. <laughs> but then she was also loving. She was a massive animal fan. Like any stray animal within a 50-kilometre radius of Adelaide, of our home, uh, if Joanne had her way, it would have been living in our house. Oh. Um, she would pick up strays, she would find animals that had been injured, she'd want to take them home and look after them and then keep them. Um, she had a, a, a love for, for sport, for basketball in particular, but most importantly and, and the biggest love of all she had was for her family. Um, she and my brother were a thick as thieves. They used to do everything together. They'd get into mischief together on a number of occasions. Uh, they would fight, but at the end of the day, if anything or anyone come between her and her brother, she would put up a massive fight to make sure that he was protected. Um, and sadly, that's you know that's the way she was. She was overly protective of all that she knew, and ultimately that resulted in her being lost to us that day. It must have had a, a massive impact on your brother, given they were, and your mum and dad, given they were such a close unit. You know, you were just an ordinary family, you know, living in what I suppose you all assumed was a safe city. Well, that's just it. We, well, the whole family never thought that anything like this could ever happen to, to us, mm. uh, which, you know, any family uh, would think the same. Um, you know, my brother and, and sister used to walk to school together uh, every day, walk home together. They'd go out playing, not success, not suspecting that there was somebody out there that's evil enough to, to do something uh, like this, it's this tragedy that's happened to our family. No, it robbed them of their innocence, didn't it? It's, um, it's And it's not fair, it's not the way it should be. They were regulars, exactly. um, your family were regulars at the football, weren't they? Did they sort of go almost every week? They did have a love of the game, didn't they? They certainly did. Um, they used to go to the football on a regular basis, nearly every week, whether it be at the Adelaide Oval or the Norwood uh, Football Oval. Norwood, of course, being their, their beloved football team that they followed um, in the SANFL. Um, they were regular goers that would go and sit and watch the match. The kids would occasionally get bored with the game and go off and, and play with other kids. And because they were regulars, they knew a lot of other, other people that would sit around them at the time. So when they turned up that day in 1973 and uh, they found Rita uh, sitting in the, the stands uh, next to them, they struck up a conversation because they had been got to know Rita over the over the times beforehand at previous matches. Rita being Kirsty Gordon's grandmother? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And obviously it was nothing, as you say, it was nothing then to watch the kids go and run and play. I mean, obviously, given you're, of, you know, you're sitting amongst family members and friends, it wasn't anything to let them go and walk around and play and things like that. Did your family have any any sort of, I mean, Joanne had been to the Oval many times before. Was she normally allowed to go to the toilet during breaks? Was there any sort of rules against that? There was one ruling in our families that the, the kids were not allowed to go to the toilet on their own uh, in uh, the break 
or in the last quarter. Main reason for that is because there, were, there could be so many people at the game that a lot of the people go to the toilet at the break and mum and dad didn't want the kids caught up with the crush of people. Mm. And of course, back then in, in those days, you know, the only abduction is it, or disappearance uh, prior to the girls going missing was, of course, the Beaumont children. And even though the kids, they learned about stranger danger, um, it wasn't something that was foremost in their mind of having someone come along and, and kidnap you. No. So, you know, the, the instruction from my mum and my dad to Joanne and, and David was that, you know, never to go off with strangers, um, you know, if you suspect anything, go and find someone that you trust and, and speak with them. But in so saying that, the kids were allowed to go off and play and, and you know, have fun. You know, they, back in those days, it was nothing for the kids to go out, you know, first thing in the morning and not come home until the lights come on in the yeah, street. that's right. That's right. That lovely Saturday afternoon, though, did take a sinister turn, Sweet, and it was a turn that every parent fears. Can you talk us through that day? Yes, most certainly. Well, um, as previously mentioned, Mum and Dad were avid football goers. Um, their beloved Red Legs or Norwood Football uh, Club was, you know, their team that they barracked for. And in this day, it was a game between North Adelaide and Norwood being played at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, Mum. Dad, David and Joanne sat in their normal stand, um, the Sir, Sir Edwin Smith uh, stand, and they were next to Rita, uh, Kirsty Gordon's grandmother. They got talking and Rita explained that her, uh, that Kirsty's mum and dad were away for the weekend and Kirsty was staying with her, so they, she brought her to the, to the football to watch the game. Throughout the game... Uh, Kirsty needed to go to the toilet and Joanne uh, realised that you know, it was a big game and you know lots of things happening so Joanne offered to take her to the toilet. They went off to the toilet and came back within a few minutes and then later in the game in the, in the third quarter Kirsty needed to go to the toilet again and Joanne offered and parent, all the adults thought well you know they've done it before it's fine off you go, just make sure you're back before the end of the quarter. The girls went off and after a while mum became a bit worried because the girls hadn't returned. So she said to my dad and Teresa that she was going to go and look for the girls and while she was actually heading towards the, the toilets, the siren sounded, indicating the end of the, of the uh, quarter. Mum mm. couldn't find the girls in the toilet or in the... Uh, way on the way to the toilet or, or, or back. So she thought maybe the kids had taken an alternate uh, route because there was a lot of people and thought they'd be back um, in the grandstand by the time she got back there. But when she returned, the girls weren't there. She explained to Dad she couldn't find the girls. And both my brother, Dad and Mum went searching for them while Rita stayed behind in the stands just in case the girls returned. They searched all around the oval, uh, around the, the kiosk, around the, the back of the, the stands, the courts that were behind there, the bowling club, and they couldn't locate the girls anywhere. They returned to the stands to see if the girls had come back, but they weren't there. So mum attempted to 
get into the announcers box to ask them to put an announcement over the um, speakers yeah. that the girls were missing, mm. but uh, they wouldn't let her in. The uh, security guard stopped her and said that um, they couldn't make the announcement because it wouldn't be heard over the speakers because it was so noisy, um, and that they, would, they should return to the return to the stands and um, if they don't turn up to report it to police. By this time, it was like the, the fourth quarter was on, and there was still no sign of the girls. The adults kept looking uh, for the girls around the, the oval, but couldn't find them. And at one stage, my dad was actually looking around the back of the stands, and I think it was the groundskeeper mentioned to him, oh, I don't know, there's, there's nobody here. Um, there were some kids here before, but they're not here now, not realising. Um, and um, mum made another attempt to get into the announcer's box and was finally successful. But by this time, the the game had finished and um, the announcement come too late. Most, you know, already people were leaving the leaving the, the oval. oval. Yeah. Um, so just mum and dad reported the girls missing to police at twelve minutes past five that afternoon. So despite that frantic search, little Kirsty, just four, and Joanne, aged 11, were not reunited with their families as they should have been. The girls were instead spotted leaving the Oval with a middle-aged, tall, slim man. In three of those sightings, Joanne appeared distressed. How does it make you feel, Susie, knowing and hearing that, that, that Jo was in turmoil that day, that she obviously was there against her will? It's heartbreaking to know that, you know, she was... She was obviously upset. Um, she probably had an inkling of what was was going to happen. So it, it breaks my heart to know that you know somebody could be so sinister mm. to take two innocent girls, two little girls that you know were just there to enjoy the day with their family. But it also makes me incredibly proud of my sister to know that. She fought so bloody hard mm. to protect Kirsty. Joanne was a very responsible young lady. She had been brought up to to protect those that she has a responsibility for. And I believe in, in my mind she would have given her all and fought incredibly hard to make sure that Kirsty was safe. It's like you were talking about with her sensitivity towards, you know, lost, lost, anim lost or injured animals. You know, she obviously did have that sensitive, caring side to her and she, she obviously did feel that responsibility that she had, you know, looked after Kirsty, taking her to the toilet and obviously still felt she needed to fight for her when it came to it. That, that's just heartbreaking. The girls were last seen about three kilometres from the Oval 90 minutes after they'd left and yet there's been no sighting since. There was, however, a witness that did come forward, wasn't there, Susie, who'd said that they did see a man with two girls going across the bridge but he um, he just thought it was a dad with his two children so he didn't stop. Is that right? Uh, yes, he actually... The gentleman contacted me through Facebook a number of years ago and he was so profusely apologetic for not stopping oh. that day. He said he, he's lived with that guilt 
every single moment of his life since that day when he found out the following day that what he'd witnessed was potentially Joanne and Kirsty being being taken. He said that the guilt that it actually eats away at him. And as I explained to him, like, he wasn't to know. You know, back then when kids misbehaved, people didn't in, didn't interfere. It's just common thought was, oh, it's just a, a father figure or a, a grandparent or, you know, a family member chastising their children. And the fact that where they were seen is, was in close proximity to the Adelaide Zoo, it was assumed that they didn't want to go home and were upset about being taken home. Mm. So he just, he went on on his way, but has lived with, with that ever since. This has had a profound impact on so many lives, hasn't it, for so many reasons. How on earth did your mum and dad handle this? Well, um, my beautiful dad went to his grave, never giving up hope that he would have answers. Uh, He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 1980 and the doctors believe it was brought on through severe stress from Joanne's disappearance. Mm. And he passed away on the 2nd of February, 1981, day after his birthday. His birthday wish was that Joanne would be located and the girls would be brought home. Unfortunately, he never got that wish. Mum has been amazing, for want of a better word. I cannot express how inspiring she is to me. Her strength throughout all of this, I I don't know where she finds that strength. But one of Mum's mottos is that you... Keep on going, no matter what. And if you stumble and fall, you pick yourself up, brush yourself off and keep going because there are a lot of people out there that are a lot worse off than us. To have that motto after all that she has been through and all that she has lost over the years, beggars belief that anyone can be so strong as what she has been for the last 44 and a half years. We'll leave it there for today. Thank you for your company. Do join us in episode two of New Idea Investigates, where we explore new developments in the case that rocked Australia. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.